Good morning, everyone. It's Paul Cerro from Cedar Grove Capital. Today is May 19th, and we're here to talk about our next um, research that we're putting out, specifically on the pet industry, titled Woof, Banking on the Pet Industry, and why we believe that Petco has all the makings of delivering outsized shareholder returns in the coming years. So to kick things off, uh, TLDR, um, Petco's omnichannel push will help it solidify itself as a top pet health and wellness company with a strong defensible moat and loyal customer base. Continued push into value-added services creates a close-ended, one-stop shop ecosystem for all pet owners. Its strategic initiatives will drive top-line growth and significantly improve the company's profitability and cash flow. Given the company's strategic growth initiatives, the market is mispricing the potential for Petco to deliver outsized returns over the next few years. So for those of you who don't know, Petco Health and Wellness, uh, ticker symbol WOOF, is a pet supply store that offers a range of products from toys, treats, and food, all the way to grooming services, vet care, and pet insurance. I actually wrote about them before on April 1st of 2021, which you can read about in the link in the post. The company operates approximately 1,500 pet care centers across the U.S., Mexico, and Puerto Rico, which also includes a network of more than 100 in-store veterinary hospitals. So how does the pet supplies company position to deliver upsize returns? Well, it all starts with what they're on a mission to build, which is the end-to-end ecosystem. Petco has, like, and also personally, been a misunderstood company. It was taken private and only recently went public earlier last year. Still, many have written it off as just a traditional large retailer, and A, is a slower growth with no real catalyst, and B, whatever benefit it had during COVID was a pull forward, and that's that. But what many fail to realize is that while Petco has been point A for quite a while, management under Ronald Coughlin has really revamped what it traditionally used to be. Ronald has focused on two main parts of the business. One, which is leveraging its retail footprint in their favor, so basically a mini distribution network. And then two, moving into the pet and health and wellness sector and really emphasis on that health and wellness. As simple as they are, these two main parts are part of a broader strategic play of building a fully encompassed end-to-end ecosystem, a true one-stop shop for all pet parents. With that said, let's, bet, let's better understand the overall business with point A. So starting off with retail. Retail is at the forefront of what the CEO is using for his plan. Once labeled a liability with the death of retail narrative years ago, many have pivoted to using their square footage to help drive sales alongside their digital footprint. What do I mean by this? Well, traditionally, it was either A, we go into the store and we buy goods, or B, we can wait and order online. The latter obviously is more convenient for the customer since all they have to do is order and wait, but odds to the cost of the company. Petco, since you know shipping and handling costs so much, especially if it's heavily weighted dog food, etc. Uh, Petco has taken a different approach to this in order to fight back against compressed online margins and even incentivize the consumer to come in and physically pick up their order. Let me dive into each of the components and uh, talk about how each fundamentally helps the overall business grow stronger and better. So first up is actually the Petco app and how it actually helps drive sales. The first thing is Petco's drive into the digital age. Having been slow to build out this functionality, it's quickly catching up and reporting great numbers from all the spending it's been putting into it. For instance, their app is a great driver of sales for them. Having been downloaded 5.7 million times since its launch, its app generated revenue and active users have almost doubled from Q4 of last year. What's great to hear is that Petco's app customers are quite valuable to them. They typically spend almost two times that of customers that don't use the app, which means that they contribute to a higher digital sales and bigger basket sizes. Checkbox for the, di- checkbox, um, for the digital win column. 
Uh, additionally, they have this BOPUS incentive. And for those that are listening in, BOPUS is literally spelled B-O-P-U-S, and it stands for buy online and pick up in store. Uh, in a world where it seems to order online and having it arrive at your door is as easy as ever, how can you change that force of habit to be in your favor? Well, give people an incentive. So that's where BOPUS comes in. This incentive can be purchased online or through their app and offers the customer a certain percent discount off of their order, which usually requires a minimum spend to just come in instead of having it shipped to their door. It sounds simple enough, and that's because it is. Just look at the quote pulled from Crowdco's Investor Day. Uh, quote, and if you look at the same day delivery, BOPUS, we have 50% lower costs when we ship through our pet care centers. 50% lower costs using our structural advantage. And here's the part that blows my mind. When we make BOPUS and same-day delivery available to our customers, they are choosing it 91% of the time. Our customers love what we can uniquely offer, end quote. This directly aligns with the company using its physical footprint as leverage to drive sales, but also save on margin from not, to, not having to pay on shipping, which is mentioned above. The unit economics of this plays out well for the company, and the consumer leaves happy uh, after receiving their discount and getting it faster than shipping. To generally note on top of this is that it's widely known in the retail landscape that when a customer physically goes into the store, they spend more on average. I've had plenty of times where I've used BOPUS and I, when, I get, when I see something else uh, when I arrive at the store, like I also buy it too. A small incentive helps save on margin, but then doubles as another way to increase sales once the customer comes in, which is pretty genius. Next point is the same day delivery option, and this is actually facilitated through DoorDash. So having recently launched last year, Petco has thought of ways to really push its agenda on a full omni-channel approach. Historically, dealing with two ends of the spectrum, going to pick it up or ordering for delivery was limited. But what if you could find a happy middle? Petco did. They partnered up with DoorDash in order for pet owners to be able to buy their goods online, but still have them delivered the same day for no extra charge, which also requires a minimum order and an optional tip, which I hope you're tipping. To highlight this advantage, the company gave an example of what this brings for the company. Uh, quote, we've created structural advantages versus online competitors. Let me give you a favorite example on this. Uh, this tennis ball on DoorDash costs us the exact same to get a customer a 40-pound bag of dog food. This tennis ball costs the same as a 40-pound uh, dog bag of food uh, on DoorDash. That's a generator of competitive advantage, end quote. Another check for margin. Additionally, this partnership only had a one-time window, order by 2 p.m. and get it the same day, Recently announced on their investor day, though, Petco is now moving from one-day delivery window to four same-day delivery windows throughout the day, hence creating value. Another point is their uh, repeat delivery option. So one of the biggest online pushes, broadly speaking, is the idea of repeat orders. The premise is easy to, it's easy to understand. Set some products for a regular delivery cadence, and you get a certain percentage off of your order by doing so. Typically, it's about 5 to 10% on average. By doing this, you as the customer can get the benefit of not forgetting to order goods and a slight discount by doing so. I do this for my pet, and it's crazy convenient. As the company, Petco, as a company, Petco, you get the added benefit of recurring revenue, which is easier to account for and steadier understanding of inventory for supply chain and logistics purposes. Now, while this has existed over the, over the few years, Petco is actually taking it one step further. And just pulling off from a quote here, our repeat delivery business is one of the highest retention rate businesses that we have. And that's what's great is that later this year, we're actually going to be offering it inside of our pet care centers. And our data suggests that when we do that, we double the spend of our customers and we do it without taking nearly any revenue profit or profit out of the pet care center. So the actual physical store. 
Um, so it's ideas like this that really help continue to contribute to the company's top line growth while expanding on margins since they're not actually having to pay for the um, shipping and handling costs, which have exponentially grown since COVID. Another benefit uh, for, the retail, for the retail side is they actually have private label brands. So speaking of margins, Petco is big on offering a lot of private label goods, uh, such as wholehearted, well and good, ready, etc. Private label brands help companies with margin because they themselves own the supply chain, in most cases, to bring those goods to market. Uh, pulling another quote, the majority of our portfolio cannot be found at Safeway. Or, uh, it cannot be found in Walmart, cannot be found on Amazon, cannot be found on Chewy. If a customer wants Friskies or Pepperoni, they can go to a dollar store. So they can go to the supers. They can go get the uh, pet specialty competitors because we're not going to be competing for that commoditized low margin business. What we're focused on is power-owned brands, building power-owned brands, and putting underneath them differentiated offerings, end quote. So having customers shift from, say, blue buffalo dog treats to wholehearted dog treats, which is actually something that I did, um, they will help deliver sales with a possible haircut, but the margin is much bigger in comparison to name brands, as mentioned above. But this also segues into another offering that they have, which is their actual fresh food offering. So given that many pet owners treat their pets as if they were their own children, giving them the best life we can sometimes entails what we feed them. The push for premium fresh food is actually growing, and the market is set to more than double in size by 2025. Petco takes advantage of this trend by offering a few options. Uh, brands such as Just Food for Dogs, which is actually exclusive to them, Instinct, and Fresh Pet, which some of you might be familiar with. So far, the company has achieved 2.6 times customer spend with more trips to their centers to pick up the food, leading to higher baskets. The company realizes this trend will continue to be beneficial and plans to grow Just Food for Dogs to over 1,000 pet care centers and even plans to launch its own private label fresh and frozen options through Wholehearted, which is their own private label. And I know I mentioned before about recurring revenue, and they actually have another option here as well when it comes to their own Pup Box. So Pup Box is a subscription offering that Petco has been nurturing for some time now that sends pet owners a box of goods and treats for their puppy. So think BarkBox, but it was exclusively for puppies. Historically, the company offered this service just to puppies, uh, but now has expanded to adolescent, adult, and senior boxes. While this isn't a huge driver of growth, it is important to note that this is another driver of value that the company is doing for its customers. So that's a little bit more about the business on the retail side, but now let's look at the other side of this um, coin, which is actually when it involves um, the services offerings of the business. So the second part of the company's push in the pet care space was actually point B with its services. While you can do your best to grow the retail footprint, which they have, the real long-term win here is the services. These services can exist both in and out of the store, but are lucrative in their own way. In fact, Petco saw a jump in their services and other category by 43.2% year over year to $670 million in fiscal year 21. It's currently their fastest growing segment followed by consumables. So let me explain how um, through each one these can contribute. So first off is the in-store service offerings. A few in-store services that the company has been expanding on involving grooming, training, veterinary, and adoption services. These services, while not big in nature, help build out the ecosystem that management has been aiming for. At the, at the very pet care center that you get your pet supplies from, why not also go in and get them trained, groomed, which is usually done on a regular cadence, or adopt one? Training services are very important. I remember over one and a half decades ago getting our first family dog trained by them because we had no idea what we were doing. We also use them to group our dog as well. So looking at overall TAM sizes here, 
Uh, the grooming industry is about valued at $6 billion by 2026 and growing at a 5% cater, cater. Um, the training uh, services uh, market is about $1 billion in 2020, which is growing at another 6% CAGR. Um, and veterinary services valued about $34 billion in 2021, growing at an 8% CAGR. Um, a quick stat about these services as well as for Petco. So, open quote, over 50% of our appointments for services that includes vet, grooming, and trainings are done in our online platforms and primarily through our app. Hint, hint. Um, so the digital marriage of our um, service businesses, I think, has been one of the big, big game changers for us over the past couple of years. And when you think about it, we talk about all this all the time. Most of our competition is smaller proprietors who just do not have the marketing or the technology uh, capabilities that we'll bring to bear, end quote. So the stickiness of its offerings is really helping drive traffic, which then further reinforces my previous point about incremental in-store sales once you get in the cust- once you get the customer in the door. Um, so now pivoting over to the health and wellness side of services. So amongst pet care services mentioned previously, the health and wellness part has the biggest market potential and is the one that I'm most excited about in terms of growth. So starting off with veterinary services. So vet services is a growing service that Petco has decided to capitalize on. With the pull forward and pet adoption during COVID, about 3.3 million pets, long-term care will be needed for them and continue and the continued adoption of pets. So far, Petco has built 197 animal hospitals and care centers called Vetco Total Care and plans to scale it to about 900 over time. Historically, the company has mentioned a 70, uh, 70 store opening annualized target. Uh, even from the company's S1, the CEO mentioned, uh, quote, notably our hospitals uh, completing the third year of operations are ahead of model, generating over 1 million in revenue and over $200,000 in four wall EBITDA in year three, end quote. So the unit economics are looking pretty good if you're thinking about 20% four wall EBITDA margins. But the other side of health and wellness involves um, the pharmacy side, medication, right? So aside from receiving treatment services for your pet, which is the vet stuff, the other part of the equation is the medication that goes along with it. The most common medications that everyone is familiar with are the flea and tick and heartworm medication, but pharmacy fulfillment goes up well beyond that. In total, U.S. pet medication market was valued at $10.8 billion in 2020, up 19% from, from 2019. The pet medications market not only navigated the COVID-19 pandemic, but continued to thrive, given the increased focus on pet health and wellness and the surge in pet adoption and acquisition brought on by the pandemic. So very big market opportunity there. Uh, thirdly is actually pet insurance. Um, so just like humans, pets can have insurance too. And the cost to insure a pet, unfortunately, comes directly from the owner and is not uh, company sponsored. With that being said, companies that operate in the space can command high premiums for your pet. And based on the plan you select, they can fluctuate with the level of copay and deductible you choose. Overall, pet insurance is important for the average pet owner, since over the life of a pet, veterinary expenses for a lucky versus unlucky pet can vary from $500 to more than $50,000 according to TruePanion. So while Petco is operating the vet clinics and hospitals, they can leverage the service offering to pair it with their own pet insurance. According to Ibis World, the pet insurance business is estimated to be worth $2.5 billion in 2022, and will continue to grow at a CAGR of 9% annually to 2027. While this is down from the 16% CAGR from 2017 to 2022, the absolute figure is still impressive. What's also great to note about pet insurance is that it is billed on a monthly cadence. Just like I previously mentioned above with Petco's repeat delivery and pet box, pet insurance creates an additional recurring revenue stream. 
Additionally, pet insurance is a great example of creating a flywheel effect, where many owners will spend a lot on their pet up front, a loss to insurers at the start, to care for their pet that over time, this send, off, uh, this send tapers off as this creates better health outcomes later on in life. Though the pet insurance business is a nice feature to add to Petco's value proposition, it is not meant to be a big cash, cash driver for the business until much later in its maturity. For the time being, we see pet insurance as a nice additional sticking point for pet parents looking for solutions that can also be fulfilled from the same place they also get other goods and services from. Until then, we are counting on it being more of an acquisition tool, just like veterinary services. Uh, which also brings us to our next and final service offering, which is Pal Rewards slash Vital Care. The last offering that brings us all together is our, pay, is our Pal Rewards program in Vital Care. Pal Rewards is just a points-based system that you can earn based on how much you spend, which is assisted by the 24.1 million total active customers Petco has. Nothing crazy, just a typical rewards program. However, the company generates over 80% of its sales from its Pal Rewards members. If we pivot over to VitalCare, a premium membership offering with 160,000 members, the perks that go uh, that go along with it are great. For $19.99 a month, you get a $15 a month PAL reward, 10% off any brand of dry, wet, fresh, or frozen nutrition, which excludes treats and chews, 20% off every groom, typically full price of about $60, excluding upgrades, extra 5% off repeat delivery nutrition, and unlimited routine vet uh, exams, which is a $20 repals rewards for every routine exam at the vet of your choice or unlimited routine exams at all Vetco total care locations. With just the first two bullet points, you've more than made your money back on a monthly basis. All this feeds into how much wallet share the company can capture. It's important for the vet, but it's also about share of wallet. This drives share of wallet. If you look at a vital care, they spend three times more than your average pet parent. So 330 million for each point of share of wallet, aka percentage, vital care is a proof point. I have multiple proof points of how we can drive share of wallet with our ecosystem strategy, and we are just getting started. And that was a quote from the CEO um, of Petco. Some other benefits. So if we talk about the big picture of pet, um, so there's actually a shift for, for pets in general, right? So the human, humanization of pets can kind of translate to the whole industry kind of being recession resistant. So that's keyword resistant, not proof. So these days, Americans have come uh, become a nation of pet owners instead of pet parents. According to one survey, 80% of pet owners care for their pets like kids. 79% believe pets should eat the same food as people, and 50% clothe their pets. Over 65 million American households have dogs, only 35 million have children. There are about 4 million babies and 6 million puppies born in the U.S. every year. Household penetration rates for pet ownership in the United States uh, increased from 56% in 1988 to 67% in 2019. And for those of you listening in, there's uh, a chart here that I show for the U.S. pet industry expenditure in billions of dollars. And it's actually grown from about $17 billion in 1994 all the way up to about $110 billion in 2021. Pulling a quote from uh, Petco, the U.S. pet care industry is a large, attractive growth market experiencing a significant acceleration in response to multiple secular consumer themes. Due to its non-discretionary nature, the market has demonstrated a long-term track record of consistent growth and resilience through economic cycles. From 2020 to 2024, the industry is expected to grow at a 7% CAGR, 
driven by steady, predictable growth in the underlying pet population, coupled with strong tailwinds associated with pet humanization and COVID-19, end quote. Um, so Rover, which is a dog walking service, actually put out a very detailed report on pet ownership spending, uh, which actually includes inflationary pressures. Um, so for those listening in, uh, click, the, click the link in the article for, to, to get that deep dive. What's also great to add is a recession-resistant component to the industry. Due to the essential, consumable nature of pet care, the industry has demonstrated resilience across economic cycles. As evidenced by the strong industry performance, spending even grew during the last two recessions. 29% during 2001 and 17% during the 2008-2009 recession. Uh, so next one, pricing power. A fear going on in the current market involves inflation and just what will happen if it runs too hot for too long. Well, in the pet industry, given how pet parents treat their pets, there seem to be not as many issues when it comes to spending. Pulled from Petco's recent transcript, um, on pricing, given our large percentage of higher-end pet parents, consumer uh, customer demand remain largely inelastic in the quarter, where we realized favorable impacts from the pricing actions we took in both Q3 and Q4. In aggregate, we did not see a decline in product unit volumes for impacted SKUs." Additionally, upon our own research, it seems that many would reallocate spending from other areas in their life to continue giving their pet the quote-unquote best life they can while they can. This means that many have admitted to cutting key areas of their own life for their pet and also shifted spending in one area of their pet budget for another. Example, accessories to like treats, toys, etc. The regular theme here is that many treat their pets better than themselves. So let's talk about their financials. For some time, Petco was experiencing a sense of stalling. The revenue actually grew by negative 1.3% from 2016 to 2019. However, with the investment in digital and other areas, the company has been able to capitalize on its investments, growing 31% on a two-year stack from 2019 to 2021. At the same time, the company has also managed to increase adjusted EBITDA margins from 9.6% in 2019 to 10.2% in 2021, and grow EPS from negative 7 cents a share in 2019 to 28 cents a share in 2021. What's great to add on is that given that the company IPO'd from a sponsor, they've managed to reduce leverage from 3.2 times in 2020 to 2.5 times in 2021, leaving them better situated to handle rising rates uh, from the federal government, or from the Fed, I'm sorry. The company has also managed to generate free cash flow in the last two years and improved a little under 10% this last year alone to $119 million. But the whole reason why I'm writing this is I believe that the stock is completely misunderstood. So besides the tailwinds that uh, are helping the company and all the strategic initiatives that management has undertaken, the market hasn't given it the recognition it deserves. To be fair, the biggest issue the company was facing in 2021 was exactly what Chewy was going through, a deceleration from a pull forward in pet sales due to COVID. <clears throat> However, the company did the opposite, which I highlight below. First off, beats and raises. While Chewy was facing a deceleration, Petco has been able to beat and raise four consecutive quarters in a row and yet the stock has not been able to break past its 26 high, excluding the meme squeeze. So I think this actually warrants a multiple re-rating. So besides the beats and raises, the company is still being treated as a traditional retailer that had a one-off benefit from COVID. Because of this, it's fallen in the ranks alongside Chewy and BarkBox. However, I believe that with all the improvements that the company has made over the, th- over the years, it should not be treated like the other p- pet companies, but rather other hardline retailers that have made digital improvements to its retail footprint. With that being said, I believe the company should be trading more in line with a Home Depot or a trading or a tractor supply company. They have had great strides in improving their digital business and overall footprint with their customers. And for those of you listening in, I'd show a chart for um, next 12 months EBITDA uh, for 
all three companies over time. Um, and um, as of right now, they have been depressed just from the recent sell-off in the market, but it gives you a better picture once you actually visually look at it. Um, so my thoughts. One of the fastest areas for the business is services. Veterinary services take, that, take part in that. They help fortify the ecosystem and boost customer retention and wallet share by getting customers in the door and cross-selling. So when it comes to the vet build-out, to paint you a picture of how I'm, how I'm viewing this, I've modeled out the below and incremental revenue and EBITDA going forward. I've assumed 70 new openings a year with each hospital generating $2 million in AUV, with, this accounts for a blend between suburban and urban PECOs, and achieving 12% EBITDA margins by year four, which also accounts for the ramp-up period and pre-opening expenses. Factoring that, we expect one point, about $1.3 billion in incremental revenue and about $36 million in incremental EBITDA by 2026. So when it comes to the valuation portion, given the fact that Walmart and Target both reported poor earnings on a backdrop of a buildup in inventory and what appears to be softening in consumer spending, coupled with freight costs, the stock sold off 15% yesterday. Aside from near-term headwinds and dramatic price movement, long-term, the company is making the right moves to set up for long-term success. With that said, 2022 is a difficult to navigate, so we'll base numbers off of 2023. With the build-out of animal hospitals, moves to increase margin through cross-selling and incentive to drive sales at the store level, we think top-line growth of 7% over the next two years, while achieving 10.4% EBITDA margins in 2023E, is reasonable. This all relies on the resilience of the pet owner, which through our research is strong, how fast inflation can come down, no inventory buildup issues, and if we do or do not enter a recession. Assuming the above, and with a multiple re-rating closer to the three-year historical average of Home Depot and tech, uh, Tractor Supply Company of about 14 times 2023 EBITDA, you arrive at a $26 price uh, target. If the company is able to hold up, hold up in the near term, aside from the recent target collateral damage, retracing to just over $20 could be in the cards by end of year 2022. Overall, we're bullish on Petco's management execution and the company being the best of publicly available U.S. pet companies by fortifying its defensive moat and capturing more share in e-commerce and pet spending overall. Um, so full disclosure, we actually do have a um, position in Petco uh, at the time of publishing this article. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, today's um, read aloud and article. Uh, remember, make sure to do your own diligence. And until next time, guys, this is Paul Serra from Cedar Grove Capital. Thanks a lot.